0: have happiness and peace. Because they love each other. Because they want a baby. To make babies and to keep on spreading the love of God. Um, because maybe they think it's good. I think someone gets married because they love him. Because they really, really like each other. So they found Well, good morning, Orchard. You, you guys made it today. Hey, can we give it up for our incredible snow team that plowed our parking lot and our sidewalks to make our services possible today? We really appreciate uh, the men and ladies that came early, about 6 o'clock this morning. They've been working all day uh, so we could have services. So good to have you guys. Glad you made it safely to church today. Take out your Bibles, if you would. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21, that's right before 2 Kings in your Bible. That might help some of you guys out, I don't know. Uh, We are continuing our four-week series called This Is Us. We are looking at some biblical couples. We're looking at their successes. We're looking at some of their mistakes and how they apply to our marriage and our lives today. Whether you're married or you're single or single again or hope to be married one day, really there's something for everybody in what we've been talking about. The first week we looked at the um, married couple, actually it was ended up three people, Jacob, Rachel, and Leah. We talked about how God must be our one and then our spouses to be our two, and we talked about the importance of that. Last week, we talked about Abraham and Sarah, and what do we do when life doesn't go as planned or as expected, how we have to trust God in faith and walk in faith. And so this week, we're going to talk about another couple in the Bible, Ahab and Jezebel. And I also want to say, if you miss any of these weeks, if you ever are not able to be here on a Sunday, you can always watch our messages online. If you do podcasting, we podcast them as well. Just go to our website, orchard.church, check the message. Uh, link right there and you can watch the messages. they're usually up uh, on video and audio uh, by Monday around noon so you can always uh, watch them and not miss out on any of the messages but we're going to continue today and here's what I want to do first of all let me ask you this question by a show of hands how many of you are sitting next to your spouse in this service today raise your hand nice and high okay okay a lot of people okay put them down here's what I'm asking you to do raise your right hand okay if you're sitting next to your spouse raise your right hand Okay, right hand. All of you who are spouses, all right, raise your right hand and repeat after me. I promise. That was, that was kind of weak, guys, 1130 service. You guys are making me nervous. I promise not to elbow my spouse during today's message. Okay, remember, you promised you could put them down because you're going to be tempted today to elbow your spouse at different times. Keep your elbows to yourself. If you're not with your spouse today, if you're single today, hoping to be married one day, uh, what we're going to talk about today is going to apply to you as well. And it's going to help you to prepare for the kind of marriage that God would want you to have someday. I'm going to give you kind of a warning label uh, to start out this morning and tell you this, that uh, this is a tough message. Honestly, it's a difficult message. Um, this may be for some of you more than any of the other messages in this series. You're going to hear this today and you're going to say, this is us. This is us. I had several couples after the first um, couple of services today came to me and said, man, you, you, you really were speaking to us today. But I'm going to tell you one of the reasons this is going to be tough today is what we're going to talk about goes against culture today. It goes against uh, society and a lot of things we're hearing today. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is not politically correct, but I promise you it will be biblically Correct? And that's what we want to focus on here at Orchard. What does the Bible say? So if you're ready from a challenging message from the Word of God today, nice and loud, say, bring it on. Okay, just remember, you asked for it, okay? So let me ask you this question. Ladies, be honest. Don't be shy. Be honest. Uh, By a show of hands. How many of you ladies ever in your marriage struggle wanting things your own way? Uh, Maybe find yourself a little pushy or controlling. I appreciate one lady, man. Her hand just went right up. Okay, raise them up. Be honest. Okay, thank you, ladies, for your honesty. Put them down. Men, let me ask you this question. By a show of hands, men, uh, those of you that are married, be honest. How many of you ever find yourself being a little too easygoing, a little too too laid back, uh, too passive in your marriage. Okay, if you're honest, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, put him down. Ladies, if you're sitting next to a very passive man that should have raised his hand, would you help him raise? No, no, that would be too controlling. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. One of the number one problems in marriages today that nobody seems to be talking about, but the Bible talks about it. And I think this can be freeing. It's challenging, but freeing for a lot of marriages today. We're going to look at the marriage of Ahab, King Ahab and Jezebel in the Bible. Now this is kind of everything not to do. Once we study a little bit about their marriage today, if you read their story, you're going to feel a lot better about your marriage. You're going to be like, we're not that bad. Uh, Let me give you a little context. Ahab was the king of northern Israel for about 20 years, but he was one of the most evil and wicked kings uh, that ever ruled in Israel. He was a strong military and political leader, but like some men today, even though he was strong in his occupation and job, he was a little too passive and a little too weak in his leadership role at home. And so because of that, his wife, Jezebel, kind of took over. And Jezebel is one of the most evil and wicked women that you can read about in the Bible. Uh, She was into uh, worship of false gods, Baal worship, the God of the Phoenicians, and idol worship. She's very evil, very wicked. Let me help some of you young couples out. If you're wanting to name your kids Bible names, there's some great names to choose from, and there's some to stay away from. You know, if you've got a little boy, you want to stay away from Judas and Luke. Lucifer, if you got a little girl, stay away from Jezebel, okay? Just trust me on this one. You'll know today. Evil, wicked. Now let me tell you this. If you decide to do something crazy like get a cat, great cat name. Jezebel. Perfect name for, for a cat. But as we look at their story today, we're gonna to begin in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse one in just a moment, but I want us to put on the screen here verse 25 because this really sets the tone for what we're gonna talk about today in understanding King Ahab and Jezebel. It says, no one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as who, church? Ahab, but he didn't do it alone. It says he did it under the influence of his wife who? Jezebel he was one of the most evil and wicked kings to to ever rule but he did it under the influence of his wife Jezebel and what we're going to see today in this marriage of Ahab and Jezebel is one of the number one problems in a lot of marriages today we're going to call this role reversal you see we need to remember that marriage was not man's idea marriage wasn't the church's idea marriage was God's idea if you're with me say yes He created man, Adam, and then he created Eve, and and there was the first marriage. And God designed specific roles for the husband in the marriage relationship, and he designed specific roles for the wife in the marriage relationship. But what we have done, as we often do as human beings, is we try to reverse the roles that God intended. We're going to see that on display today in Ahab and Jezebel. If you're taking notes, and I hope you will, what we're going to see is this. Ahab in this story represents the passive husband. Ahab represents the passive husband. Jezebel represents the controlling wife. Ahab represents the passive husband. Jezebel represents the controlling wife. And they get their roles reversed from what God intended. And, and they're not the first marriage in the Bible to struggle with this role reversal. Really, you don't have to go any further than the first book of your Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, you can check it out later. But you remember God created Adam, the man, and he said it's not good that man should be alone. And then he created Eve. and he, But God gave some very specific instructions to Adam as the spiritual leader. Of his home. God gave Adam a Bible that only had two verses in it. One do and one don't. I mean, you'd think that they could get it right. Two verses. One verse said this be fruitful and multiply. That's what he was supposed to do. Here was the don't don't jack with that tree over there. Okay? If you do, it, it, you're gonna die, it's gonna be sinful. And so that that was what God gave to Adam. And then you go along in the Bible, and you're not very far, and all of a sudden Eve one day is at the tree that God told him to not eat of. She takes of the fruit, boom, takes a bite of the fruit. And then the Bible says this. we, We often look at Eve and go, man, she sinned first. She messed up first. But the Bible says that when Eve took of the fruit and she ate and disobeyed God, Adam, her husband, was standing there with her watching this go down. And he knew what they were supposed to do and not do. And then the Bible says that she gave the fruit to Adam and he ate of the fruit. And what is happening is the roles have been reversed. And instead of him leading her, she was leading him. And it plunged all of humanity into sin because the roles were reversed. And that's What we're going to talk about today. And we're going to begin by talking about the the passive husband. The passive husband that we see here in the scriptures in in Ahab. If you're taking notes, the passive husband. Adam became passive and King Ahab became passive. First Kings chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King what? Ahab of Samaria. One day... Ahab said to Naboth, since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. So King Ahab has this neighbor, his name is Naboth, and he's got this sweet vineyard. And he's like, you know, I'd like to buy your vineyard so I can make it into a vegetable garden. He was evidently into gardening. We're going to call that Ahab's chick thing. Okay, now it's okay, men, to have one chick thing, one. If you have more than one chick thing, you need counseling, okay? And we're going to pray for you. You say, well, what's a chick thing for a guy? You know, for some guys, their chick thing is their hair. Uh, for some guys, they like to have their nails done, you know, like, like the ladies do. Uh, for some guys, their chick thing might be their clothes. For some guys, it's candles. I, I, I have one chick thing uh, as your pastor. I'm not going to share that with you today, but I have one. You really want me to, don't you? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Keep it real. I'll tell you what my one chick thing is. I actually don't mind chick flicks. Okay. I know I just lost my man card right there. Um, I I don't mind watching chick flicks with my wife. As a matter of fact, truth is, when we're watching a chick flick, I usually cry before she does. So so there's my, my chick thing. Well, for King Ahab, his chick thing was he wanted a vegetable garden. Okay? And so he's like, Naboth, you know, let me buy your vineyard so I can make, make a vegetable garden. Well, let's see how Naboth responds. Verse 3 says, But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you and give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. So Ahab went home angry and sullen. He didn't get his way because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall, and he refused to eat. He didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get his chick thing. And so he gets upset and and he he starts crying and he starts whining. And he basically goes home. He's sulking. He's pouting on his bed. He won't eat or drink anything. He's being a big baby. He's acting like a wussy. I cleaned that up for church, okay? When Ahab didn't get his way as the king, he did what some men do today. He kind of took his ball and he went away. He He went back home. And the truth is, If we're keeping it real, there are some men that do this today in marriage. They they act this way, you know, if they're not successful, if they don't get what they want, they don't get their way, then they don't wanna play the game. And they just kind of pout and they, they kind of sulk. And we see this happen in marriages sometimes today. If a man doesn't feel like he's good enough, he doesn't live up to her expectations, her standards, you know, he's not like her dad was, if he feels like he can never please her, then sometimes what he will do is he'll take his ball and he'll sulk and he'll pout and he'll become very passive like Ahab in this story. That's the passive husband that we see in Ahab. Let's now talk about the controlling wife. We've looked at the passive husband. If you're taking notes, let's talk about the controlling wife that we see pictured in, in this story in Jezebel. How does Jezebel respond to her pouting husband, uh, Ahab? Verse 5 says, she asks this question. She sees him pouting on his bed and not eating. She says, What's the matter? Now, when, when I read this, she ha- I'm pretty sure Jezebel had a tone. Okay? G- guys, you know what I'm talking about, ladies? The tone. She's like, What's the matter? Something like that, okay? There, there's a tone. I just know there is when she's asking this. What's the matter, his wife Jezebel asked him. What's made you so upset? You're not eating. And you now, now Naboth's going to respond. And I, I'm just imagining his response. I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it. He refused, Ahab told her. I mean, he's pouting. And then she responds and really tries to encourage him. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. Watch this. I'll get you Nabos Vineyard. In other words, if you can't do it yourself, move out of the way. Let me show you how it's done. She takes over. She takes charge. She takes control. And in marriages, this sometimes happens today. Wives, I love you. I want to help you. Here's what happens sometimes. Men try to act all cool and macho and like we have these egos, like we've got it all together. But all men, all men sometimes feel vulnerable. They have insecurities at times. This is one of the reasons why God gave Eve to Adam in the garden as the Bible says, as a helpmate, as a helper, to encourage him. Now, it's sad that some women are insulted by this role, but this is a beautiful God-given role when you understand it properly. When God looked at Adam in the garden, and he saw that you know he was alone before he made Eve, he, he saw Adam, and he's like, it is not good that man is alone. Amen, man? He needs a helper. I mean, ladies, we are not good on our own. I, we, our clothes don't match. We can't find our car keys. We don't bathe like we should. We need your help. <laughs> We need help, but we need the right kind of help. And God has placed the wife in the husband's life to encourage him to be all that God has called him to be, to help him. Here's the key, ladies. Here's the key. The way you treat your husband will produce one of two results. One of two results. A godly wife, an encouraging wife, will help a weak husband man become a stronger man but a controlling wife like jezebel is doing here will always make a weak man a weaker man and if you're not careful you will produce the very thing that drives you crazy the fact that he's too laid back and he's too passive and he won't take a stand he won't lead this is exactly what jezebel did in in ahab's life She she was a controlling wife, and she took control, and and she she beat him down, and she made a weak man a weaker man by doing two things. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. She belittles her husband. Now, now ladies, listen. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm trying to help you. Hang in there. The men's part is coming. We are equal opportunity offenders here at Orchard (laughs) Church, okay? It's, It's coming. But I want you to see this. Jezebel is a controlling wife. She made a weak man a weaker man by, first of all, she belittles her husband with her words. Look at verse 7. Are you the king of Israel or not? She demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. She's basically saying, you know, quit being a big baby. In other words, if you can't do anything right, you know, what's your problem? You're a loser. You're a failure. You're a disappointment. I thought you were the king. She's not building him up. She's tearing him down. And wives, I want to challenge you to ask yourself this very important question. Do your words to your husband build him up and encourage him? Or do they tear him down and defeat him? We've all heard the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is the dumbest statement anyone ever came up with. That's not true, is it? Words can hurt. Words can be very damaging. but The Proverbs reminds us of this, and this is for both wives and husbands. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this, the tongue can bring death or life. Everybody say death or life. Our tongue, our words, can bring to our spouse death or life. Our tongue, our words, can bring to our kids death or life, to our friendships, to our relationships, death or, or life. And here's the thing, the controlling wife, brings death to the relationship and to her husband with belittling words. But a godly wife will speak words of encouragement that will bring life to her husband and make a weak man a stronger man when he's vulnerable and insecure, like what's happening here with with Ahab. I know this firsthand because about 15 years ago, we stepped away from a church and a ministry we were leading in Indiana and I felt like a failure. I felt like I, I had blown it. And, and I didn't know what God had for my life. I didn't know if I was even supposed to be in, continue to be in ministry or not. And we had this blank slate before us. What did God want us to do? And, and I started feeling and believing that God had allowed some things, difficult things to happen in my life to get me where he really wanted me to be. And, and he started, I started believing from God's word that he wanted me to, to start a church. And he wanted me to move my family to Denver, Colorado, where we had never lived, and we had no family here, no friends here, we had no house here, we had no income here, but to start a church and step out in faith. And I remember I felt very insecure about that, and I felt very vulnerable about that. And it was like, man, I don't want to do this unless I know God is in it. And I'm like, who am I? Why would God call me? I don't know that I can do this. And I remember my wife, Shelly, my godly wife, encouraging me you can do this. God has prepared you for this. God has called you for this. We will follow you. We'll trust you. We know you're going to follow God. We believe that God has something amazing beyond what we could ever imagine. And she just encouraged me, encouraged me, encouraged me. And I can honestly tell you, Orchard Church today, if it was not for my godly, encouraging wife that breathed words of life into our marriage and life, I would not be here on this stage bringing you the word of God today, and Orchard Church as we know it would not exist without her encouraging words. And we can praise God for that, amen? It was was a game changer. It was a game changer in in, in our life and marriage. A, A godly wife can make a weak man a stronger man, but a controlling wife like Jezebel will make a weak man a weaker man. I told you this was tough. I told you this is difficult. And and here's one reason why. Because some of you wives would say, well, my husband doesn't do anything. He he doesn't take responsibility for for anything that he should. And I I realize that's the reality for some of you. And that may be 100% true. But in over 30 years of full time vocational marriage or vocational ministry and watching marriages, I've never seen a weak man. Crawl out from under a controlling wife, a better man. Never. It just makes him weaker. It makes him more passive. It makes him more vulnerable. But I've seen many marriages turned around and husbands turned around when they were feeling weak and vulnerable and insecure by a wife who spoke words of life and encouragement into his, his life. Wives, I tell you this because your your role that God has intended and what he created and designed you for is so important. It's so vital. Let's, let's not make the mistake that Jezebel made. Jezebel made Ahab a weaker man, number one, by belittling him with her words. Number two, here's the other mistake she made as a controlling wife. She takes over in this story. She, she takes over. What does she say after she, you know, are you king of Israel or not? Get up and eat, don't worry about it. And then she says this, I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. What, what did she do? She's like, move over. And she dr- jumps into the driver's seat she takes charge. She takes control. I want to illustrate it this way. You know, if, if, you're, if you're riding in a car in, the, in the front, one of the front two seats, that there's the driver's seat, and then there's the passenger seat. I think we would all agree that the driver's seat is the responsible seat. I mean, they're the one that's got to keep their eyes on the road. they got to be responsible, 10 and 2, paying attention, not texting, not messing with stuff. The passenger seat is the relaxed seat. That's the laid-back, passive seat. Man, if you're in the passenger seat, you can listen to the radio, turn up the AC, the heat, get on Facebook, text, sleep. We've got a picture. This is a couple. See see how she's in the driver's seat. She's in the responsible seat. and She's, man, intense. He's kind of kicked back. You know, he's on his cell phone. Here's the thing that you need to understand, ladies. A wife that always jumps into the driver's seat in her marriage, will condition her husband to be passive. You'll condition him to always just jump in the easy, relaxed, passive seat. And then you'll wonder why he never takes charge, why he never leads, why he never steps up. Now now let me say something right here. Because we had a couple of people in the first service, they were leaving, and I saw some men grabbing the keys to the car from their wife to make sure that they drove out of here. And, and, and the, We're not talking about driving. We're talking about the marriage. Okay, that's an illustration, all right? Who's leading the home? Who's leading and guiding the way God intended? And and again, I want to be sensitive to this. And and, and this is tough. And I want to acknowledge that there are some deadbeat husbands out there that don't take responsibility for anything. And we're going to deal with that in a moment. Somebody's got to put food on the table. Somebody's got to take care of the kids. Somebody's got to make sure the bills are paid. Things must get done. But but wives, ladies, let me me say, if the wife constantly steps into the husband's God-given role, eventually he'll let you do it he'll just let you do it and he'll surrender God's call on his life instead of what God intended and you know what it begins with little things like maybe you ask your husband to help get the kids ready and it's a it's a weather day like today and so your husband tries to help out and he goes to get the kids ready and they come downstairs and they're in flip-flop shorts and a tank top now you have a decision how do you respond to that well, thank you, honey, for helping out. You know, good try, you know, and then you get them dressed properly. Or do you go, Are you an idiot or what? You moron? Have you not looked at the weather? Are you speaking life or are you speaking death? If, you, if he gets that kind of response, what do you think he's going to do next time? He's not going to help. But maybe a modern miracle takes place in your home, like every once in a while happens in our home, and you decide to do the dishes. I, I said that in one service, and the lady said, Amen. You decide to do the dishes to help your wife out. And you do not Not only do you do the dishes, but you dry the dishes and you even put them away. I, I said modern miracle, right? But then what do you do, ladies, when you come in and he hasn't put any of them in the right place? Do you thank him for helping out around the house? Or do you go, what is your problem? None of this is in the right place. Dear, let me just do this. And you take over. And if you do, you're going to condition him to take a passive role. Now, again, what do you do if you have a husband that doesn't take responsibility for anything? Because I, I understand that's the reality for some of you, and that's, that's sad. Let me give you two things, ladies. If you say, my, my husband doesn't take responsibility for anything, let me give you two things practically that you can do. Number one, ask God to help you to love him, faults and all. To remember your vows that you made to him one day. For better or worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Love him faults and all. Seek to encourage him. Seek to build him up. Because you know what is true? What is rewarded is repeated. What are you rewarding? If you say, well, I'm not sure how to reward him. Ask him how you you can reward him. I'm sure he has some ideas. (laughs) Whatever that might be. Here's the second thing. If you have a husband that doesn't do anything, doesn't take responsibility, here's the second thing. Pray, 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 pray. And then get out of the way. And let God work in his life. Let God change his heart. Let God do something supernaturally that you could never do naturally. And and some of you ladies are probably looking at me like, oh, Pastor Doug, you're so naive. Where did you come up with this stuff? This isn't my idea. These are not just my suggestions. This is what the Word of God says. Let me give you one example. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, this is for wives that have deadbeat husbands, that don't take responsibility. Maybe they don't even believe in God. They're not even a believer. Here's what Peter says. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Accept their role as leader. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, even if they refuse to follow God, your constant complaining and nagging will turn him around. Is that what it says? No, no, no. Your godly what, ladies? Lives will speak to them without any words. Your godly lives. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. You are never going to nag your husband into changing. It, it, it doesn't work that way. It, it's, it's your godly living, it's encouraging him, it's speaking words of life instead of death, it's avoiding being like Jezebel. So now that all the women in here are ticked at me and may never come to Orchard again, let me talk to the men. And men, I think I just heard a lady say, preach it. (laughs) Oh, I'm about to. Men, maybe the reason that Jezebel felt that she had to take control and lead is because Ahab never would. He was too passive. He he was too laid back. He was too relaxed. He didn't understand or live up to his God-given role and responsibility that God designed. Men, God has given us a responsibility to spiritually, lovingly lead our marriages and our homes. And I believe with all my heart, if more men would take that seriously and do that, less women would feel the need to take over and take control. And Scripture is very clear about this, the role of the husband and the role of the wife. I know society tells us something different, but again, we're not not here to be uh, politically correct. We're here to be biblically correct. And you see this all throughout the Bible. Remember, Adam and Eve... When they sinned in the garden, and technically who ate the fruit first and disobeyed God first? It was Eve. But God goes looking for them. Read about it in Genesis chapter 3. You read about it. God goes looking for them in the garden, and God says, Adam, where are you? Adam, I need to talk to you. Adam, I need to speak with you. Adam, you messed up. He held Adam responsible. God always holds the man responsible because we're the ones that are called to be the loving spiritual leaders of our home. And I want to spend the rest of our time talking about the loving leader. The loving leader. And this is particularly for men. We, we've talked about the passive husband. We've talked about the controlling wife. This is God's design, the loving leader. Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 25. He, he's using um, a metaphor here of the relationship between the church, between us and Jesus Christ, but the picture that he's using is the marriage relationship between the husband and the wife. And it says this, For wives this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, to their leadership, respect their leadership. For a husband is the head of his wife, wife as Christ just like Christ is the head and the leader of the church he is the savior of his body the church as the church submits to Christ so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything now let me stop right there because you you I'm reading that and some of the wives are going I thought you were going to talk to the men it sounds like you're still picking on us I'm just reading the scriptures okay here comes the husband's part for husbands this means help me out men love your wives okay I heard a few people a lot of passive men Let's read this together, men. For husbands, this means love your wives. Well, I love my wife. Do you love her like this? Just as Christ loved the church. How much did Jesus love the church? He gave up his life for her. He was willing to die for her. He went to the cross for her. You know, as we look at this teaching from Paul, you know, I I ask you, you this question because sometimes wives struggle with this teaching and sometimes husbands struggle with this teaching you know who has the harder part here wives that are supposed to respect and submit to their husbands or men who have to die dying's harder if we live up to this and do this and what i have seen in over 30 years of ministry is that when a man most of the time when a man will be the loving spiritual leader and love his wife like Christ love the church she wants to follow a man like that she's Excited to follow a man like that. And when we talk about these roles, listen, hear me very clearly, because society likes to twist this around. We're not, this is not a matter of power and ego and being a boss. This isn't about power. It's about position. It's about understanding our God-given roles in the marriage. Because God created marriage. And so he wrote a book, the Bible, The Owner's Manual on Marriage. If you don't like it, don't shoot the messenger. Talk to God. This is his design. And maybe if more marriages would follow this design, maybe we'd have better marriages. Maybe we'd have more blessed homes. And and men, I'm I'm gonna talk to you and I'm gonna be harder on you because God's gonna be harder on you being the spiritual loving leader of your home is not something that someone should have to teach you. It's something God created and designed you for. You don't have, just like you don't have to teach a fish to swim, you don't have to teach a tiger to hunt. This is the role God created you for, men. Just do it. Man up, step up, and grow up. Don't be an Ahab. Some of you got nervous right there don't be ahab don't be passive and i want to help you with the rest of our time let me let me give you three ways that god calls you as a man to be the loving spiritual leader of your home what does it mean to be a loving leader number one it means this it means you're the provider it means you're the provider for your home you provide for your home paul talked about this in first timothy chapter five verse eight anyone who does not what's the next word help me out church provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, your own marriage and kids, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Men, as the spiritual loving leader, you are to be the provider for your home. Now, this, this doesn't mean that your wife can't financially contribute. It doesn't mean she has to be, you know, at home barefoot and pregnant. She can contribute. But it does mean that the husband should set the, the financial tone and direction for the marriage and the family. And men, some of you, it's time for you to take responsibility for this. Maybe you're in debt. You can't make ends meet. You say, man, our marriage, our family, we're always struggling financially. We're never going to be able to get ahead financially. We're going to have this financial noose around our life. It doesn't have to be that way. We have tools here to help you with that. We, We have what we call Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. We offer it every semester. We're signing up for small groups right now. Some of you men need to take responsibility as the provider for your home to get into Financial Peace University and say we're not gonna live like everyone else, which is broke and in debt. We're gonna get out of debt. We're gonna stay out of debt. We're gonna have a plan. We're gonna have a budget. We're gonna say no to materialism. I'm gonna provide financial security and stability for my marriage and my home. And men, if you will do that, I promise you, she will love you for it. She will love you for it because one of the greatest needs of a wife is security. So do it. Step up. Sign up. I think we've got four or five Financial Peace University classes offered this semester. It's time for some of you to get involved in that. You say, well, it doesn't work. It works every single time if you do it. If you don't, it doesn't. Men, some of you, it's time to take financial responsibility for your marriage and your family, and 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 adopt a value that we have here at Orchard Church that we say every week, that we're a church that acts our wage according to biblical principles. How do we act our wage? By giving first, saving second, living on the rest, giving first because we want to say, listen, we're going to put God first in our marriage and our family because we want God's blessings on our marriage and our family. We're going to save second because it creates healthy margin. We have savings because there's going to be emergencies. We're going to live on the rest whatever's left which teaches us to live contently which the bible has a lot to say about living content lives the loving leader is number one to be the provider number two the loving leader is to be the protector of the home not only the provider but the protector we'll go back to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 28 and Paul said this in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies men we love ourselves if I, I mean, if we, if we had a camera, some of y'all are looking in the mirror and you're like, yeah, you're checking it out. We, we need to love our wives like we love our own bodies and we love our own selves. Paul is not saying this because we don't love ourselves enough. Paul is saying this, men, because we love ourselves too much and we need to love our wives as much as we love our own bodies for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and what? Cares for it provides for it, protects it, just as Christ cares for the church. And then some of you men, when I say, you know, okay, as the, as the leader, you're to be the provider, you're to be the protector, you're like, oh, protector, yeah, macho, that's me. I, I, I protect my home, yeah, I got my weapons, I'm ready. I'm just wanting somebody to break in so I can make their day. This is more than just physical. That's part of it, okay? And and, and I'm all for that. I'm ready. You you know, listen, you don't want to break into Pastor Doug's house. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Okay? I'm not a little, I'm I'm not a big guy, but I got some stuff, okay? Just leave it at that. But we're not just talking about protecting your wife and your family physically. That's part of it. But that you protect them spiritually. You protect them emotionally. You protect her heart. You protect her feelings. Your wife should know that you are always going to be faithful to her till death do us part. That just like Christ said to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's how your wife and family should feel. Listen, men, you protect your kids. You be involved in your kids' lives. You know who their friends are. You know where they're at. When they start dating at 25 or 30 years of age, whenever that is, you know who they're dating. You interview them. Okay, because you are called to be the loving spiritual leader of your home as provider, as protector, and here's the third one, as the pastor, as the pastor, the spiritual leader. Now, now some of you men just checked out on me right there. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can be a provider and protector, but I can't be the pastor. Being the pastor doesn't mean that you're some great Bible scholar, theologian that can do exegetical Bible studies in your home. It just means that you... Set the spiritual tone and direction for your family that you drive, that you drive that. Because here's why: As men, as husbands, as fathers, we are going to stand before God Almighty someday and give an account of the role He gave us. Did you lovingly, spiritually lead your home the way I designed you to? We should take that seriously that we got to stand before God someday and and give an account of that because God is going to hold us accountable. God's going to hold me accountable. We don't have time to read all the rest of this story. I, I encourage you to read it later. But in verses 8 through 14, what happens when Jezebel says, I'll get you the vineyard... Jezebel was so evil and wicked she devised this plan. She had a party and she had these two thugs that basically were there and they, they set Naboth up and they accused him of cursing God and the king and she had Naboth killed, had him murdered. Jezebel was the one that did this and carried this out and had, had Naboth murdered. But watch in the scriptures who God holds accountable. Verse 15 to 19 in 1 Kings 21. When Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, you know the vineyard Naboth wouldn't sell you? Well, you can have it now. He's dead. So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of Naboth to claim it. Thanks, honey. But the Lord said to Elijah, the prophet, speaking on the behalf of God, Go down to meet King Ahab of Israel who rules in Samaria. He will be at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel, claiming it for himself. Give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? He's saying this to Ahab. Must you rob him too? Because you, Ahab, have done this. Dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they licked the blood of Naboth. Isn't that Interesting. Technically, who had Naboth killed? Jezebel did. But who did God hold accountable? Ahab. God always holds the man accountable as the spiritual leader of his home. Men, this should be a wake-up call to us. This should be a reminder how important our God-given role is in our marriage and our family that we lead. And if you're like, you know, how do I set the spiritual tone? I don't know how to do this. It's not that hard. It's, it's really simple. And I want to commend you, men, that you're doing it today. One of the things you should be doing. You're here. You're in church. Hopefully, you are the one that led your family to be here today. Hopefully, your wife didn't, you know, kick you out of bed this morning. Hope you, hopefully, last night, she didn't say, you know, we need to go to church. We need to go to church. Okay know that you are like we want to ha- be in church we want to have our family in church and you can spiritually lead by having your family in church that you have your kids in kids ministry so they can learn about jesus on their level that you have your teenagers in in student ministry on fuel on wednesday night so they can learn the bible on their level uh, hopefully men you are the ones saying you know what we are not going to be consumers at church we're going to be contributors because christ gave everything for us we can give a little back to him and we're going to serve we're going to get in a small group and get connected with other believers that will help us grow in our walk and faith you know i'm going to get discipled i'm going to disciple another man i'm going to read my bible i'm going to pray these are things that you can simply do as the spiritual loving leader of your home to be the pastor to lead your family and set the spiritual tone i want to read you guys an email that, that i received last week that was such a blessing to me on so many on so many fronts this lady gave me permission to read it. She said this. The past few months have been very difficult for my husband and I. I've been wanting a new house, better finances, and a second child, and I wanted them yesterday. We can identify with that. Things weren't moving as fast as I wanted. Then just before Christmas, we suffered the loss of our second pregnancy after trying for quite some time. We were devastated. Over the past few weeks, I had become angry, confused, and more and more faithless instead of faithful. I, under- I didn't understand why things we're not going as I planned when I was pushing so hard for them. I told my husband on Sunday I was not going to join him for services at Orchard because what's the difference anyway? My wonderfully faithful husband asked that I go with him. He told me, let's just show up. Maybe at church it'll be easier for us to hear from God. She says, it was. I have never before felt so spoken to like it was just me in the service. I am now ready to listen, be patient, and faithful. I take comfort in knowing that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. So thank you, Pastor Doug, for listening so closely to God and changing things up. I am very grateful for you and my loving husband. Can we give God praise for that? That's exactly what we're talking about. That's exactly what we're talking about. Being the loving leader that can make a difference. Men, you can do it. You can do it. Just do it. Do what God created you to do. And some of you men are like, well, she won't let me. You do it anyway. Do it anyway. Because you've got to stand before God someday. Maybe you need to admit to your wife and your family, I've been in the passenger seat too long. I've been too passive. I've been too laid back. I'm sorry. I need to change. I want to be the loving spiritual leader God has designed and called me to be. And wives, maybe some of you, you need to get out of the driver's seat. Stop conditioning him to ride in the passenger seat. Allow him to lead. Encourage him. Build him up. Let him know you believe in him. You'll follow him. You'll trust him. What if he makes a mistake? What if he crashes the car? He probably will at times. And he'll learn from it. But you encourage him and you love him and you speak words of life. And as you do, I promise you, you will make a weak man a stronger man. I believe God could radically change some marriages and families and lives today if we would apply these difficult truths. The blessings on the other side of these things may be beyond what we can ever imagine. And I want that for you guys. I want that for my marriage as well. Father, we pray today that we would not just be hearing your word, but we would be doing your word and we would apply these difficult truths and we would trust you that you know what is best for marriage and in particular our marriages and that we would fulfill the God-given roles that you have designed. So we continue an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed right now. If you're a wife and you would say, you know, honestly, sometimes I'm too controlling, I'm too critical, I'm too harsh, I tear down more than I build up. Would you just confess that to the Lord and ask God to change your heart? Ask God to help you to move out of the driver's seat and be an encourager to your husband. If you're a man here today, and you would be honest enough to say, sometimes I'm too too passive. I I need to lead as the provider. I I need to lead as the protector of of my home and the pastor. I've been taking too passive of a role. Would you just talk to the Lord about that? Ask the Lord to help you to be what He created and designed you to be. Maybe you're a single lady here today, and you're hoping to get married someday, would you pray this and say, God, would you lead me to a man that I can respect and I can follow, a godly spiritual leader? If you're dating someone right now and you don't respect them and you're not willing to trust and follow them, then you need to break up and you need to find the person God has for you. If you're a single man and you hope to be married someday, would you pray and say, God, help me to prepare to be a godly, loving, spiritual leader for my home someday, if you bless me in that way. As you're praying all across this auditorium right now, maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as, as your Lord and Savior. You know, the very two things we talked about today, being too passive and too controlling are the same two things that keep people from accepting Jesus and saying yes to him. Some people are too passive about eternity and their, their spiritual condition. And they just hope things work out and they, they don't... Make a decision for Christ. Some people are too controlling. They want to be in control. They want to be in charge of their life instead of submitting their life to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for them and who knows what's best for their life and what he's designed for them. If you're here today and and God would speak to you in that way, you'd say, you know what? It's time for me to give control of my life to Jesus. It's time for me to let him guide and direct my life. It's time for me to receive the gift of eternal life and salvation that Jesus provided by his death on the cross 2,000 years ago. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. I'm going to pray the words out loud in just a moment. This isn't a magic prayer magic words, but if it comes from your heart of belief and faith, you can say yes and invite Jesus into your life today. And your life can forever change. You know who you are if God is speaking to you in that way and it's time for you to say yes to Jesus If that's you, would you pray this prayer from your heart to God's in faith and belief right now? And it goes like this. Jesus, I want you in my life. I'm saying yes to you today. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I accept the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and dying for me. Thank you, thank you. As we continue with heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer, it's the most important decision you could ever make. And I'd love the privilege to pray for you now that you would just... Grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So no one else looking around but myself. If you prayed that prayer with me, can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand all across this auditorium if you prayed that prayer, just lift it up. God bless you, sir, right here. God bless you, ma'am, right here. God bless you, God bless you, ma'am, right here. Two or three people over here. God bless you on my left, amen. Several people, let me pray for you. Father, we just lift all those up today saying yes to you. We pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you from this day forward, that they would fall in love with you as much as you have loved them first and given your life for them. And, Lord, I pray that today we would all apply these truths to our life and they would experience the blessing of marriage and our families that you intended by fulfilling the roles that you have created for all of us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate Decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. Amen. Hey, listen. If you prayed that prayer to accept Christ just now and and you raised your hand I prayed for you here's what I'm going to ask you to do because that's the most important decision you could ever make we've created a booklet for you it's it's a booklet that says I said yes it's just a simple little read it'll give you your next steps on your journey with Christ and how do you grow in your relationship with him we've created a booth right out in the lobby when you go out look to the right you'll see the booth that says I said yes just drop by there we'd love to put this in your hand before you leave today it'll really help you in your new walk with, with Christ All right I love you guys God bless you
1: Amen. Thanks, Pastor Doug. Hey, if, if this is your first time here at Orchard, thank you so much for braving the elements and coming out today because uh, it's cold out there. So thanks for, thanks for coming, but we'd love to connect with you beyond just today's service. So I hope you filled out that connection card in your newsletter and that you'll drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by here in a second, because we want to be able to follow up with you. We want to be able to connect with you. And we do have a free gift to send you in the mail just as a thank you for choosing to worship with us today. So please make sure you drop that in, first-time guests. We're not interested in your money today, but we are interested in getting to know you. And I know as a husband, um, I've been challenged by this series. I don't want to be an Ahab. I want to be a godly husband. And so next week, we're going to finish out our This Is Us series. And you don't want to miss it because the world will tell us at times that we will end up with irreconcilable differences with our spouse. But our God is in the reconciliation business. So tomorrow, our next week we're going to see some incredible testimonies about the power of forgiveness. So husbands and wives, single people, you don't want to miss next week. So hopefully you'll join us then. But for now, let's stand up as we uh, close in a song of worship and we worship with our giving, our tithes, and offerings. Because we are a church that acts our wage by giving first, saving second, and living on the rest. God bless you, Orchard Church. We love you.